the theme for the year this year is the unreached within reach. And, and the goal for this is to inform us and inspire us and equip us in some way to be personally involved in God's cross-cultural mission around the world as well as here. And this particular theme, the unreached within reach, uh, is, is getting at the fact that, that uh, there are people groups around the world that have little to no access to the gospel. Uh, and, and many of these are in very difficult to reach countries, countries that are hostile towards other faiths or oppressive for other, other reasons. And the reality is, is that dozens of those people groups live right here where we live, work, and play uh, amongst us. And so we have an unprecedented opportunity in world history to reach out to some of the peoples that have had little access to the gospel, to no access to the gospel throughout history. And so that's what the conference is on. That's what the sermon will be on next week. Uh, we hope that you'll be able to join us. So all of that to say, Missions This Week has a twofold focus, how we can faithfully support others in God's mission around the world as well as here locally, and second, how we ourselves can be hands-on involved in cross-cultural missions right where we live. And so with that orientation to Missions Week, uh, let's consider our text for the sermon today. And I've chosen uh, a section from 3 John. Um, how many of you read 3 John in the last six months? All right, so good. This is an opportunity to, to get exposed to the back of the Bible that maybe uh, you don't get to as often as other places. Um, th- the entire letter is one chapter. It's just 14 verses. It's, it's only half a page in, in, in the Bible uh, that's under your seats. The Apostle John is writing to an individual named Gaius. Uh, he's a dear friend of John's. He's a leader in his local church. And John writes to commend him for his faithfulness to God's Word. And that faithfulness is demonstrated and given evidence by the fact that this man, Gaius, is supporting traveling missionaries that come through town. And that's the reason I chose it for today's text. So we'll focus on verses 5 through 8, but to provide some context, I'll start at the beginning. This is God's Word. If, if you want to turn there, Third John, if you have the Bible in the chairs in front of you, it's on page 989. Third John, starting in verse 1, this is the Word of God. The elder, that's John, To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are, a fa- you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for for your word, Lord. We thank you for the Apostle John. We thank you for this this man, Gaius, who is a brother in the Lord. 
Lord, we thank you that uh, you have instructed us on what it looks like to participate with you in your upside-down kingdom. So, Lord, teach us from your word today. Instruct us, encourage us, challenge us. Lord, stretch us. Help us to more faithfully participate uh, in your mission. Lord, thank you for, uh, for how you're at work in us to uh, encourage us to be doing that. But, Lord, help us to grow into that more fully. And so, Lord, teach us today for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, I have two points today. First, missionaries go ultimately for the glory of God. Missionaries go to the world for the glory of God. John begins by commending his friend, Gaius, for his faithfulness, and he charges Gaius to continue supporting the missionaries in tangible, helpful ways. And we'll come back to those Uh, those ideas in our second point. But I want to start by focusing on the reason that John gives for Gaius to continue to support them. And that reason comes down in verse 7. And so when we look at verse 7, we see it was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. They left their homes They left all that they knew, their comforts, their family and friends, and they went out for the sake of the name. Now, these were not ordinary Christians that happened to be traveling and needed a place to stay. That happened, and God's people would give hospitality to them uh, when they came through town back in those days. But John is speaking specifically of those who deliberately set out on a mission for the sake of Christ. These people would have been sent by their churches. They would have been commissioned, and they could be identified because they would carry with them letters of introduction from their home church so that the the brothers and sisters in the places that they go to uh, would, would know who they are and what they were doing. And that's how Gaius knew who these folks were, even though they were strangers to him. Now, this phrase, for the sake of the name, indicates what they were doing, Right? They were proclaiming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel. But it also indicates their motives. Not just what they were doing, but why they were doing it. They were proclaiming the name of the Lord Jesus uh, for the glory of God. Missionaries uh, are usually motivated to serve in, in their mission for various reasons, good reasons. Right? They want to be obedient to the call of God on their lives. They see people in spiritual and physical need, and they have compassion on them, just as Jesus did uh, when he saw the people as sheep downcast, distressed, sheep without a shepherd. And so they want to go, they want to help, they want to they serve. They're concerned for the lost, knowing that everyone faces judgment unless their sins are forgiven uh, in Christ. And so there's all kinds of good motivations to go. But the ultimate motivation for Christians whose minds are saturated by the story of the Bible is an overriding passion for the glory of God. They do it so that Christ's name would be magnified. John Stott put it this way. He said, the highest missionary motive is neither obedience to the Great Commission, important as that is, nor love for sinners who are alienated and perishing, strong as that incentive is, especially when we contemplate the wrath of God, he says. But rather, the highest of missionary motives is zeal, burning and passionate zeal for the glory of Jesus Christ. Scripture 
is full of this theme from cover to cover. Scripture teaches that not only is humanity's highest purpose, our job as humans is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That, that should be behind everything that we do in life. But Scripture also teaches that God's highest purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Himself forever. It may sound a little strange to our ears because when someone seeks their own glory, that's a bad thing. And, and yet, Scripture is clear that God is doing this from cover to cover Isaiah 43, for example, tells us that God created the world for His glory. He longs for His glory to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Numbers 14, Habakkuk 2. Salvation that He gives to us is empowered by God's unswerving commitment to His own glory. Speaking of of His deliverance of Israel from slavery in Egypt, Psalm 106 says, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. We see as God's people then go into the promised land that the the reputation of God precedes him. And and the people, uh, some of them follow God as a result of, of hearing of his power. God's people have always recognized this. For example, in Psalm 79.9, one of the many places where God's people ask for mercy on the basis of God's glory, the psalmist says this. He says, Help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your namesake. The Apostle Paul describes his own missionary purpose in terms of calling all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith For his name's sake. And then, of course, our passage today, the Apostle John speaks here of missionaries who who went out for the sake of the name. Now again, if someone else's highest goal in life is to achieve their own glory, we would say that they're self-centered, that they're narcissistic, right? That there's something wrong with them. And so why would it be a good and beautiful thing for God to be focused on his own glory, And why would missionaries be focused and motivated by his glory? Well, the first answer is pretty obvious, I think. It's it's that God is supreme and worthy of worship, not us, not humans. Uh, He's in his own category, and anyone who tries to put themselves in his category uh, is, is making the mistake that was made in the garden. They're trying to be like God. But but John Piper has famously reminded us that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. When other people are focused on their own glory, they're self-centered. Right? They try to use people, manipulate people to their, own, to their own ends. But when God is focused on His own glory, He's self-sacrificial. Uh, he works for the good of others. Uh, He pours out His blessings on us. It says of Jesus that though He was rich in heaven, He became poor for our sakes so that through His poverty we might become rich. He, He gives Himself. God created the world in order to invite us into a loving relationship with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit had always experienced perfect fellowship and community and love and celebration of one another. And it was too good not to share. 
And so they created to, to invite us into that. And when we rebelled against him in our sin, God's love for us led him to pursue us in order to redeem us and reconcile us and bring him back, bring us back into a loving relationship with the Trinity. And all of that magnifies his glory. And so when we live for the glory of God's friends, we're living for a God who is magnificent, who is, who is not only powerful and mighty, but loving and gracious and, and, uh, and, and a servant. No one else is worthy of our praise. John Piper is also famous for saying that you cannot commend what you don't cherish. You cannot commend what you don't cherish. In other words, you'll never have the desire to, to tell others about your faith, to, to leave all that you know in order to become a missionary unless you cherish God. You love his glory. You, you long for him to be glorified in all of the earth. And why would you love him that way? Well, he's worthy of it intrinsically, but also obviously because of what he's done for us. He loved us so much he didn't spare his only son, but sent him. And so he sends us in that same spirit. Missionaries will never sacrificially leave the comforts of home and family and raise their financial support to serve people they've never met unless they delight in God. In other words, the more you experience the gospel... All that God has done for you in Christ, the more the passion of your life is to live for the glory of God. And so a God-centered glory is the foundation for missionary zeal. But not everyone who loves the glory of God is called to be a missionary to another part of the world. Some of us are, but many of us are not. We're called to stay right where we are. And yet God wants all of us to be passionate for his glory, and he calls people to live for his glory in every part of the world, including here. So there's nothing intrinsically more valuable about a particular place of geography on the globe. But everyone who loves the glory of God will long to see his fame spread around the world among all peoples. Uh, they, they long to see people everywhere in the world living to the praise of his glory. And so they'll want to be a part of, of, of spreading that message around the world. And so second, if we love the glory of God, we'll partner with missionaries. Missionaries should not fundamentally do anything different over there than we do here. To put it another way, we should send missionaries to do over there what we're already doing here. It's not that missionaries are supposed to love God any more than we do or share their faith more than we do, but if we share their desire to see God's name exalted among all the peoples of the world, we'll help them do that as we have opportunity to do so. And so in this letter, John is commending Gaius precisely because he partnered with these traveling missionaries that were coming through town. Gaius didn't know them, but Gaius was joyful to love on them, it says, and to support them because they went out for the sake of the name. That's the motive for Gaius to partner with them. 
It's the motive for them to go, and it's the motive for Gaius to partner with them because both shared in this desire of the, for the glory of God. And so you may not know personally the missionaries that GRC supports, but collectively we can send them out in a manner worthy of God, a manner that honors God for the sake of His name. In verse 3, John praises his friend because he heard a good report about him from some of these traveling missionaries. They had visited Gaius. They had been blessed by him as he loved on them, as he supported them and provided for them. And uh, as those missionaries then left and met up with John, they told a good report about Gaius. This, This guy gets it. He supported us. He was an encouragement to us. And so John is encouraged and he commends him. Gaius is said to be faithful to the truth in verse 3. It says that he continued to walk in it. And I'm sure that that, that uh, refers to Gaius' own conduct of life, his own ongoing, growing relationship with Jesus. But, and get this, the specific visible proof of Gaius's faithfulness that John is referring to is how he treated those traveling missionaries. The believers of verse 3 who gave this report about Gaius to John are the brothers and sisters mentioned in verse 5. Verse 5 talks about what Gaius did for them. Verse 6 speaks of Gaius's love for them even though they were strangers to him. It encourages him to keep it up. It shifts from what he is doing in verse 5 to what he will do in the future as he sends them on their way in a manner that honors God. Verse 7 refers to receiving help on their travels for their work. And verse 8 commends all of us to show hospitality to such people as partners in ministry with them. In other words, Gaius was faithful to the truth, verse 3, in part because he supported those who were taking the truth around the empire. How did he do that? He showed them hospitality when they were in town, and he sent them on their way to continue their ministry in a manner that honors God. In other words, Gaius covered their expenses when they were in town by letting them stay in his home, by feeding them. He encouraged them personally. He loved them, the text says even though he didn't know them. And he supplied them with food and money for the next stage of their journey. And presumably, he prayed for them as well. And in so doing, God was honored because Gaius did it, like the missionaries, for the sake of the name. Verse 8 speaks how we ought, ought to show hospitality, tangible support in these ways to missionary. Ought implies, it does more than imply it, it, it indicates obligation. In other words, ought is a command. Uh, This is part of the Great Commission. We ought to do this, it says, all of us. Not everyone is called to go and minister elsewhere, but all of Christ's followers are called to play their part in God's mission around the world. They go out for the sake of the name, receiving no help from non-Christians, verse 7. Friends, there are many good causes that we may support. Truly, we may support them, but we must support our brothers and sisters whom the world does not support because they go out for the sake of the name. So what's that look like for you? 
Well, it, it likely involves giving your money to missionaries and missionary causes as God has provided for you. Uh, it, it involves praying for missionaries and their ministries both here and around the world. And you can certainly pray for that in general, but it's especially appropriate to pray for specific missionaries specifically, as well as for the gospel to spread through their ministry to the people that they're sent to. It could involve encouraging missionaries. Uh, you, you can do this very simply. If you receive a missionary's prayer letter, just reply to it. <laughs> I've had several uh, missionary friends throughout the years that tell me that just a simple response, a couple of sentences, a paragraph in response to their prayer letter uh, is such an encouragement to them when they see that people are actually reading what they write and they're interacting, they're showing interest in something that they're talking about and they're expressing prayer for them. And these relationships go two ways. Um, these same friends tell, us, uh, tell, tell me all the time that they long to, to, to know how they can pray for us. I haven't been here a year at GRC yet, and several of GRC's missionaries have asked me how they can pray for me and my family uh, as I've responded, indicating I'm praying for them. And so it's a relationship. Even though I had never met them you know, uh, a year ago, uh, we're, we're beginning to form a partnership in the gospel just through correspondence. Another way you can encourage them is to go on a short-term mission trip to see firsthand what they're doing and to help in some way. We have a couple of short-term mission opportunities that, uh, that are coming up this year. One of them is with the Open Door this summer. We do this consistently uh, each summer. Uh, and our missions team is corresponding with other missionaries around the world that we support, and we're, we're, we're looking into opportunities in the, in the future to, uh, to send some teams uh, to help in various ways. Faith promise is a way that we as a church can make this practical. Right? You have a faith promise card in your bulletin. Um, why don't you go ahead and, and just pull that out. Now, there are all kinds of ways that you can partner with missionaries through your support and your encouragement on your own. You may have your own connections with missionaries that you've established over the years independently from GRC, and that's wonderful. You know, if you're doing that, great, keep it up. Uh, but if you sense that God is calling you to do something more, or if you're looking for ways to get involved in, in supporting cross-cultural missionaries, then faith promise is a way that we can do that together. Many churches around the country use a faith promise approach to encourage their people to be involved in missions. And so this is a, this is a proven approach. Faith promise is a, here's what it is. It's a prayerful, sacrificial commitment as you pray to God and, and seek his insight, his leading on how you can be involved in missions through GRC over the coming year. It's anonymous. Right? It's between you and God. We don't know what your pledge is. Uh, you turn it in without your name, but it's a coordinated effort with the rest of us here at GRC. We can do a lot more together than we can do on our own. And again, you may be involved in other ways, and that's fine, but we'd ask you to prayerfully consider what it means to be generous in response to God's generosity to you. What it means to partner together with other missionaries for the gospel, for the sake of the name. And, uh, and that faith promise card indicates or suggests at least three ways that you can do that. Uh, you can commit to pray for one or more of our GRC-sponsored missionaries. 
There are prayer booklets that are printed that are available in in the fellowship hall that lists all of our missionaries. They list kind of general prayer requests that would apply to them at any given time. Pick one of those up. Um, Stop by the tables that are out there that display our various missionaries and have their latest prayer letter there. And you can pick that up and get on their list. Get on one or more of our missionaries' prayer lists so that you're receiving regular correspondence from them and can encourage them and have current prayer requests to pray for. Uh, There's also a box uh, on the card to pray for God to open doors for our church with church planting and reaching out to unreached people groups. These are two strategic priorities that we have for the near future coming up, and we we would love your prayers for wisdom for our missions team and knowing how to, uh, to, to lean into that and encourage our church to be involved. So you can commit to pray. A second faith promise also includes considering how you can give to the GRC missions budget. A hundred percent of our missions budget comes through designated giving to missions. And so this is not supported, in other words, out of our general fund. It only is supported by what you designate by writing missions on your check or selecting missions from the drop-down menu if you give online. And so we would love for you to make a pledge uh, to contribute to that fund. And what that lets us do as a missions team is is know who we can support. Uh, we don't want to overextend ourselves. We don't want to overpromise something. And so we want to trust that God will lead you and that you will communicate with us what you intend prayerfully to give this coming year. And um, this budget uh, on the back of your Faith Promise card has a top-level summary budget of where that money goes to. And uh, we will not budget anything more than what is pledged. And so we'll adjust this budget up or down accordingly. We would love, we have all kinds of ideas on how we could uh, do more if, if, uh, if God would provide through you. But this $85,000 is a reasonable target, and it's also more than twice what was given last year. And so it's, it's, a, it's a step forward for us from recent years. Finally, there's a spot for you to consider how you might go in a cross-cultural mission this year. There'll be workshops at the missions conference on both of these opportunities with the open door and with what's called Sifting Week, which is an immersion equipping experience in Queens with South Asians. Wonderful opportunity to, uh, to mingle with unreached people groups and uh, to help missionaries that are in Queens reaching out to them. Again, if you're interested in either one of those, make sure to, to look at those workshops at the conference that'll be offered on Saturday. Third John calls us to demonstrate our faithfulness to the truth, to walk in that faithfulness by partnering with missionaries for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the name. We do so because we're passionate about God's name if we've experienced His grace in our own lives. And I'm excited to see how God will use each of you and us together corporately at GRC in this coming year for the sake of His name. And so, Please join us for ACE after the service. You'll hear from Jeremy and Michael in person, as well as a couple of our other missionaries who have sent in videos. And uh, don't forget to register for the missions conference before you leave today. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that you came to us. Lord, not only did you create us, but when we turned away from you, Lord, you chased us down. You sent your son. He moved into the neighborhood. He became one of us and dwelt in our midst. 
Thank you that you pursue us even when we're not interested. Thank you that by your grace you break down the barriers in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would increasingly reflect your character, your heart, your passion for people. And so, Lord, work in us. Help us to experience you so that our hearts more and more are inflamed with the desire to see your name honored. You are worthy of the worship of all people. So, Lord, we pray for our missionary partners that are attempting to do in other parts of the world and other parts of this this region what we're trying to do here. Lord, bless them and bless us as we seek to bless them. And, Lord, in all of this, would you be glorified and would your kingdom, your upside-down kingdom, Lord, would this countercultural reality of your grace break into our world in visible, tangible ways for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.